So October is uh, Pastor Appreciation Month, and uh, that's been celebrated different ways. And what I wanted to do this morning, is we have so many uh, new people coming into the church, is just introduce you to who, who some of the pastoral leadership is here at Connection Point. And, and so I get to start, start with my favorite, which is Shelly, my wife. Um, <laughs> love having her here with me. And we've got Zach and Liz Rainey. Do you like her better than me? I do. I'm sorry. Yeah. Hi. I know. It's, it's, you know, you're a close second, maybe. <laughs> But we have Zach and Liz Rainey. If you don't, unfortunately, you probably don't get to see a whole lot of them unless you've got kids that you're dropping off. They're our family life pastors. The kids areas that are booming, they're in charge. Like, can we thank them this morning? I have to release them because they've got kids waiting on them. So we'll let you guys go if you want me to go. <laughs> and then... We have Andrew and Tori Farmer. So Tori, of course, helps us with worship. Andrew is our creative arts director and online campus pastor. So like a great testimony of why that matters is, is last Sunday. So we're doing a water baptism service. And so we're, we're preaching live online. And, and one of the families in our church, their power had gone out last Saturday because of the windstorms. So they just went to stay with some family members and didn't really prepare to come to church on Sunday. So they were watching online, and the mom said, I've got to go be baptized. Mom, watch the kids. I'm out of here. So she ran here after the end of second service and got baptized at the end. Isn't that awesome? So we're just thrilled that we have the opportunity to, to reach the world online as well. Uh, Mark and Ashley Whitehead are youth pastors. <laughs> He gets cheered every Sunday for the welcome. He gets lots of applause. <laughs> uh, Jim and Robin Walsh are community life pastors. Can we thank them this morning? <laughs> Jim is over our connect groups. His heart is to see you guys find a place of belonging. So he puts a lot of what happens here on a Sunday together and a million other things. Uh, just so thankful for Jim and Robin. And we have Eric and Kara Putman with business administration. So Eric came on board last summer, has done a wonderful job of helping us with business, administration, and missions. God's doing great things around the world, and we're just thankful to have Eric a part of all of that. So thanks, Eric and Kara. And we have Michael and Shanna Ivy. Shanna is our office manager, so if you call the church, it's likely you're talking to her. And we have Michael is over discipleship and over IT and health and safety, so he's got a wide umbrella, but helps us in all of those ways. So our check-in stations, um, we're gonna, he's going to claim when those go well, he's in charge. When, when, you know, when they're not, don't, don't blame him. So, um, But we're just so thankful for Michael and Shanna. I mean, incredible. And if you're in the mentoring groups, Michael has his hand in, and we want to see you become like Christ, and the mentoring groups help with that. So can you thank our pastors this morning? If you've been at Connection Point for a while, one of the things that uh, they used to do for pastor appreciation is set out tables on Main Street, so if you wanted to bring by a card or whatever. But we just felt like as we continue growing as a church, look, we don't want to limit what God's doing here. Uh, we want to continue to see um, people come on board and serve in pastoral and leadership roles. But we also don't want to put 100 tables on Main Street. Uh, so if you're okay with, we're going to get away from tables on Main Street but those are your, your pastors. So if you want to just say a word of thanks to them in passing, uh, they, they appreciate that. They know that they're appreciated. 
Connection Point has a long history of appreciating their pastors. But I also want you to know they fully understand their role is to equip you. You are the church. We are the church. And, and their heart is to see you using your gifts for the sake of the kingdom. We fully understand that if you're here, if you're not plugged in using your gifts, then the world is missing out. God's kingdom is missing out. So man, my encouragement to you today, for all those that are serving and a part of the mission and being used by God, thank you for what you're doing to be a part of, of what God is doing through Connection Point uh, here on a Sunday, but all throughout the week. And, and we want you to take Jesus to your workplace. And our heart as pastors is simply to equip you to fulfill God's plan for your lives. That's what we want to see happen. Uh, so thanks for, thanks for loving on pastors. So we want to get into a message today about our unstoppable God. Have you ever watched a, uh, a video of, of natural disaster? Ever seen a storm surge, like a tsunami storm surge? You watch that online or on the news? I mean, it's a, uh, whoo, I mean, it'll move a car like that. It's, there's something awe-inspiring about that kind of strength, that kind of, of power. But I, I love that in this world that we live, in which we may face challenges that we get to serve and live for, an unstoppable God. God is all-powerful. God, God is all-knowing. His kingdom is an unstoppable force, and we get to live for him. As we continue our series in Luke today, the passage that we get into is Jesus is talking about that unstoppable nature. He points out governments can't stop the kingdom of God. Hate and fear, it can't stop the kingdom of God. Nothing can stop the kingdom of God. And so that's the, the kingdom that you are invited to be a part of, and, and I hope that you're in God's kingdom, and I hope that you have your Bibles. I know, I said that wrong, so I totally threw you off this morning. <laughs> so if you have your Bibles, <laughs> I, I have to do it right, or some of you are going to walk out unhappy today, so you know, I wouldn't want to do that. If you're new to the church, look, we, we want you in God's work, so it's a bit of a, a mantra to say, man, take God's word home with you. Um, be in it on a daily basis. It'll transform your life. Uh, so we're going to be in Luke chapter 13. We're actually finishing Luke chapter 13 today. If you don't have a Bible with you, we read scripture here and read it aloud. So we've got a Bible underneath the seat in front of you. You're welcome to take that and read along with us. I invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 13, verse 31. We stand to read these words to say uh, what a gift that God gave us and giving us his word so that we can follow after him with all our hearts. So Luke chapter 13, verse 31. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. So they're talking to Jesus here. And he said to them, go and tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Behold, your house is forsaken, and I tell you, you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. So we left off in, in Luke last week with a message on respond to Jesus. That we must respond to Jesus personally. We need to do it before we die. And we do that so that we get to live with God and others for all of eternity. 
what we found in our passage last week is that God loves us so much. He sent his son, who is the door. He provides this door that we get to walk through as access to the kingdom. And so the question was, have you walked through that door? Have you walked through the narrow door? If not, my encouragement to you today is before you leave, walk through that narrow door today. And if you have walked through it, take someone else's hand and help them find that door too. That's what we're called to, that we have the opportunity to walk through the door and and to lead others through it. And what's amazing is as you lead someone else to that door, you're introducing someone to God's unstoppable kingdom. What a thing. In a world where things are, can be unsteady, we get to show people an unshakable kingdom. That's what you introduce people to. And how do we know that? How do we know that God's kingdom can't be stopped? Well, we find from our passage this morning, governments cannot stop the kingdom of God. Governments cannot stop the kingdom of God. Some Pharisees, they approach Jesus and they tell him, that Herod is looking for him. They say, Jesus, get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And what's Jesus say? Go and tell that fox. Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. In other words, Jesus is not concerned. He's not concerned about Herod, because nothing will stop the plan of God. And who is Herod? So Herod is one of the sons of Herod the Great. You know, we'll get to the Christmas story here in a couple of months. Herod the Great is on that scene when Jesus arrives as an infant. But then he leaves, he dies. He leaves his his kingdom to a couple of his sons. One of those in the Galilee is Herod Antipas. We met him in Luke chapter 9. Here's what it says about Herod. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was happening, and he was perplexed. Because it was said by some that John had been raised from the dead, by some that Elijah had appeared and by others that one of the prophets of old had risen. Herod said, John I beheaded, but who is this about whom I hear such things? And he sought to see him. So it seems now that we're at a place where Herod actually is wanting to see Jesus and potentially kill him. So who's Herod? Herod is a representative of the government of first century uh, Galilee, where Jesus is currently at. But it doesn't concern Jesus that Herod wants to find him and maybe kill him. Why? Because he knows nothing can stop the kingdom of God. So I want your help this morning. I need some participation. When I point to you, I need you to say, because I want you to get this mantra down today, that nothing can stop the kingdom of God. So let's try that this morning. You really need to live in that. I'm going to have you repeat it a few times this morning. You may get sick of it by the time you leave, but I hope you walk out with that confidence. Nothing, nothing can stop the kingdom of God. And so how can we be encouraged by this? We need to remember today that nothing can stop the plan of God in our world. Nothing. There are places in our world today where it is illegal to change your religion and become a Christian. I'm sure you may be aware of that. Shelly and I lived in a couple of those places. And you want to know what we found out? Didn't matter. Governments cannot stop the kingdom of God. We would see people of Muslim or Jewish background make a decision to follow Jesus. And they did that because nothing can stop the kingdom of God. Nothing. So how does this apply to us as we live in the U.S.? I'd say if there's one thing I've noticed, so Shelly and I have been back in the U.S. for three years. We were overseas for about 10. And what I've noticed is Christians seem very concerned about the future of our country. Many Christians complain about the obstacles they sense the church is facing today. The secularization of America, moral decline, loss of religious liberty, Hollywood's mischaracterization of Christians. But if I could be a bit direct this morning, these things are nothing compared 
to what many of our brothers and sisters in the faith are dealing with in their context and countries. Many Christians in the world today, depending on where they live, could be tortured or killed for their faith. We're not facing those kind of struggles. I know some of those people. When I say that, I can see their faces. When we lived in Sudan and the West Bank, people faced challenges. Believers' homes were taken, families were beaten, jobs were lost. And you want to know what happens in those environments. This is why I want to push back on this a bit today. In those environments where a believer's faith is publicly put on display, where it's publicly put on trial, what happens is persecutors, they see the faith of genuine Christians, and they say, if this person can allow me to harm them in this way and still love Jesus, I need to know this Jesus too. Here's what we learned. When things get bad, God's kingdom gets big. Look, you need to grab a hold of that truth. First century Christianity Okay, think about the Roman Empire, early Christians. They went from tens of thousands of believers to millions of believers in hundreds of years. And think about their context. Early Christians thrown to lions and wild beasts in Roman Colosseums. You read history, church history. Nero would take Christians and burn them as candles in his garden. But what happened? When things got bad, God's kingdom got big. So what are we worried about here? What are we worried about? If things were not great, guess what? All that means is God's kingdom is about to get really big. So may we rest in that confidence this morning. Nothing. Okay, your turn. Nothing can stop the kingdom of God. We don't have anything to worry about here. Nothing can stop it. We often treat battles in our society as life and death matters, where we must win from the standpoint of appearance or all is lost for righteousness sake. But Jesus' death, he's already brought the way of life, regardless of the environment that we live in. Victory is God's no matter what happens in the world. Victory is God's no matter what happens in our world. And how does victory come? Victory comes by faithfully representing Jesus in a troubled world. It doesn't come by winning an argument or a vote. I want to say that again. Victory comes by us faithfully representing Jesus in the world. That's how his kingdom comes. That's how we achieve victory. Jesus' own life is the model here. He knew God's kingdom could not be stopped. He was faithful and victory was found. If you think about the cross, it seemed like all was lost and then ultimate victory was found. So if you've been concerned about the future, may you worry no longer Why? Because nothing, nothing, nothing can stop the kingdom of God. Hate cannot stop the kingdom of God. Hate and fear cannot stop the kingdom of God. Jesus infers that Herod cannot stop him because he's headed to Jerusalem. He he was telling the crowd that was there, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stone those who are sent to it. Jesus has his face set on Jerusalem. He he knows he's going to encounter hate, but he knows that hate can't stop the kingdom. He knows the temple leadership there, what they're going to do, that their desire is to kill Jesus in the movement that he has going. Jesus will go to the cross because of hate. But this is the part, all part of God's plan. The temple leadership will think they succeeded in what they set out to do, except that God will raise Jesus from the dead. Why does this happen? Because when things get bad, the kingdom of God gets big. And why? Because 
nothing. Come on, college students, over here. Just this section. What is it? You guys got to live that out. Nothing can stop the kingdom of God. We need to live in that today. So what about hate and art? Do you think we got some, some troubles with hate? Absolutely. We've got our fair share. Hatred between political parties, hatred toward Christians, hatred between people of different race or national origin. But this is why I love that Jesus is the answer for our world. Paul, a follower of Jesus, he's writing a letter to the church, to uh, people in Ephesus. And here's what he says. For he himself, Jesus, is our peace, who has made us both one and broken down the dividing wall. At the cross, in his flesh, he broke down the dividing wall of hostility. I tell you what, the church should be the example today of what it looks like to live as a unified people. Absolutely we should be. People of all race, all nation, all socioeconomic status, political party affiliation, none of that matters that we can come and sing the praises of God all under the heading of Jesus. We should be that example today. So let's be that example. Jesus makes all of it possible for us to live as united as one, and the gospel demands it. But why is it that if Jesus broke down the dividing wall of hostility, that we can still struggle to live in one another well. Why, why do we struggle? I mentioned one last week that it could be because of pride. Pride, if you think you're better than people of a different race, if you think you're better than people of a different socioeconomic status, if you think you're better than, than your neighbor down the street, it's going to be hard for you to love them well. So if that's the issue today, may you say, God, forgive me. Help me love others well. Let your kingdom advance in my heart. But there's another issue. Fear. Fear can keep you from loving others well. Now, living in Jerusalem, it showed Shelley and I this very, very pointedly. Palestinians fear Israelis, so then they can't love them well. We also saw that Israelis feared Palestinians, so then there was hatred there. But that's why we love the gospel, that he Jesus tore down that dividing wall of hostility. So it was a, such a joy for us to get Palestinians and Israelis together uh, as students, because we ran a school that was there, and to be able to see the joy that could come out of a room where they were taught that we should hate, but then they got to see we can actually love. That's the gospel. Only Jesus can do that. Fear otherwise removes the possibility of loving, meaningful relationships. And if you don't deal with fear, fear can lead to hate. Even Yoda knows that, right? <laughs> but I do want to ask you this morning, do we need to fear? Do we need to fear? Absolutely not. Why? Come on, you should know the answer already. Nothing can stop the kingdom of God. We don't need to fear anything. Jesus said, fear not, over and over. Let's not fear. We can put our confidence in God and not fear. Truly trust that nothing can stop the kingdom of God. And if you live like this, if you're confident in this, you know what? You don't have to freak out on Facebook. Come on, we can laugh about that this morning. You know what I'm talking about? Part of the reason that happens is because we have a fear. And so out of fear, we freak out. So let me encourage you. You don't need a fear, which means you don't need to freak out. Don't do it. Think about the implications for people looking at Christians to say, man, they're all worked up. 
You should have God confidence. We, we had uh, dinner with some, some people here at the church this last week, and I loved uh, the mom was wearing a shirt. It said, Godfidence. I like that. Godfidence. That's awesome. We shouldn't just have confidence. We should have Godfidence. Confident in a God who makes it so we don't have to fear, so we don't have to be worried about what's happening in the world. Should we pray? Absolutely. We're told that in the New Testament. We've got to pray for the world in which we live, but we don't need to fear it. We walk in faith. Because unfortunately, if we're fearing, part of what that probably tells me is that we are putting our faith in the wrong things. If you've got fear in your life, could I put before you this morning, maybe you've put your faith in the wrong things. If you put your faith in human institutions, you put your faith in all kinds of other things in this world, you're going to live a fearful life. But if your faith is truly in God, you have nothing to fear. If human history shows us anything, it shows us human institutions fail, but God never fails. Why? Because. Okay, now you guys are still a little bit slow over here this morning. We're going to try again, but we'll let everybody join you this morning. They got it. Thanks for joining in. (laughs) Nothing can stop the kingdom of God. We don't need to fear anything. We can have full confidence in God. How do I know that human institutions fail? Because we don't live in the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire is done. But you sit here this morning as a follower of Christ because nothing can stop his advancing kingdom. Nothing. So may we live with that kind of confidence today. Nothing can stop the kingdom, so you need not fear. Hate cannot stop the kingdom. And spiritual blindness cannot stop the kingdom of God. Spiritual blindness cannot stop the kingdom of God. The temple leaders, they feared the following that Jesus was forming and the potential of them losing their place in Jewish and Roman society. So the temple leaders feared. They feared that that the temple might be lost and that they wouldn't have their place in society. And so their fear led to hate, leading Jesus to the cross. But what was God's heart? What was his heart for Jerusalem? Here's what Jesus says. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Jesus wanted to set people free everyone free. He had a heart for the people of Jerusalem. But the good news is, even though the temple leadership took Jesus to the cross, that wasn't the end of Jerusalem's story. I love that we get to read the continuing story of what happens in Jerusalem. In in Luke's sequel, the the book of Acts in the New Testament, here's what we find about people in Jerusalem. Reading from Luke, or Acts, uh, Acts chapter 6, he says, and the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. I love that. Spiritual blindness could not stop the kingdom of God. So even some of these priests who worked with the temple, they may have been against Jesus before the cross, but after the resurrection, their spiritual blinders were removed and they were living for God. Spiritual blindness can't stop the kingdom of God. Parents, maybe you're here today and you've got kids that that aren't living for God. I want to encourage you today, spiritual blindness can't stop the kingdom of God in their lives. It can't. So if you've got kids that are, are, are near to your heart, but they're far from God right now, keep praying for them. God's going to go after them. Nothing can stop God's kingdom in their life. Young adults or, or others in this room, if you've got parents that are far from God, they're near to your heart, but far from God, keep praying. 
because nothing can stop the kingdom of God. Spiritual blindness cannot stop the kingdom of God. Governments, they can't stop the kingdom of God. Hate and fear, it, it can't stop God's kingdom. Spiritual blindness cannot stop the kingdom of God. What's the answer this morning? Nothing can stop God's kingdom. As Shelley and I lived overseas, uh, one of the, the gentlemen we got to know, we're privileged to get to know, was a man who I would liken to an Apostle Paul type. He was radical, zealous for Islam. And what we found in that setting is if you were zealous for Islam, if you became a follower of Jesus, then we got to see you become zealous for Jesus. And so this guy, he was uh, in a, um, a radicalized Islamic group. He was actually the number two man for suicide bombings. The way that they would do bombings there is if the, the first person, the trigger didn't go, then this number two man was responsible to make sure things uh, were taken care of. So this is the kind of person that he was. And so it was awesome to sit down and hear his story of what his heart was for the kingdom. But once he made that decision to follow Jesus and he began to share his faith, the group that he was a part of, they didn't like it. So they beat him, they beat his wife, they broke his wife's arm, and they put him under house arrest. So he was under house arrest for years. But even under house arrest, he would still talk about this great Jesus and the way that he changed his life. And what he decided to do, he says, you know, I, I read the New Testament, and it says, bless those who persecute you. I want to start meeting with that sheikh who put me under house arrest, who had people beat me and beat my wife and break her arm. So once a week, he would started to get together with the sheikh. He asked permission, the sheikh, the sheikh said yes, and he was meeting with this sheikh, and the sheikh was very hard and very hard line, and he didn't want to hear anything about Jesus at first, but after months of meeting with him, week after week, the man could tell his, the sheikh's heart was softening. And so while he was meeting with the sheikh, he said, you know, would it be okay if I, I started to, to go to the mosque and, and be able to read my Bible there? And, and, and at first, wasn't real keen on that, but, but he did let him go. And so then he started doing Bible studies in the mosque. He just felt like this is a great place. I could, we've got side rooms here. If people have questions about the Bible, I'm going to start using this as a place to tell people about Jesus. Well, as he started doing that in different mosques around that village, some people got upset, some of the religious leaders, so they took him, brought him before the sheikh. They didn't know that he'd been meeting with the sheikh, so they brought him before the sheikh, and they said, this man is talking about Jesus in our mosques, and we want you to do something about it. And the sheikh said, you know, if people have questions about prayer, they go and talk to Muhammad. If people have questions about end times, they go and talk to Ahmed. So if people have questions about Jesus, let them talk to him. What does it matter? He gave him an open license to talk about Jesus in every mosque in that village. <laughs> Nothing can stop the kingdom of God. And so he would train up people in those mosques. You don't know how they did water baptism? You know, we do it here in a, in a tub. They would use the mosque showers and baptize people. <laughs> oh, nothing new. A great way to repurpose things for the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom. Nothing can stop the kingdom of God. I mean, we're at a place now in the region in which he lives where there are, are thousands of villages. There is a house church in every one of those villages today. Every one. Why? Because governments cannot stop the kingdom of God. Hatred cannot stop the kingdom of God. Spiritual blindness cannot stop God's advancing kingdom. Let us not worry about this life that we're living. Even if things don't go great here, all that means is God's kingdom is about to get really big. So let's put our confidence in the God who is unstoppable today. Let's apply that to our lives in the way that we live. When we Post things on Facebook. Maybe post things on Facebook in light of 
God confidence. May we be a light. Our neighbors, the people that we're friends with on social media, they need to see a people who are committed to Christ, who have hope, even when it seems like we're in hopeless situations. You need to be a shining light to everyone you come in contact with. Let's be those kinds of people who live with confidence in our unstoppable God. God, I just ask that you would give us confidence in you. Not one that fades, not one that's here today and God tomorrow, but Lord, a confidence in who you are as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who has rule over all creation. So God, I just pray that we would see you for the big and mighty and powerful God that you are. May we, as children of God, live with that kind of God confidence. May we live for you for, from this life, from this moment, all the way into eternity. May our confidence be in you, God. We don't need to worry about this world in which we live. We need to pray about it. You tell us that we should pray because we want your will to come, or your kingdom to come. We want your will to be done. But Lord, we also put our complete faith and trust and hope in you. And God, I just pray for everyone in this room today. I pray that they would walk out encouraged and confident and inspired in your name, that they would live for you and know, Lord, that we get to live in this unshakable kingdom of God. And we just pray these things asking your mighty will be done in each and every life in this room. In your name we pray, amen. I wanna invite you to stand as we close in song this morning. And as you're standing, maybe you're here today And the reason you're fearful, the reason you're anxious is because you've never given your life to Jesus. You've never turned your life over to God. You can't be confident in God if you've not given your life to him. So maybe that's where you find yourself today. But today you would say, but I don't want to live that way anymore. I need a peace in my life. I need to live without fear. And that can only come, the the door into that life is the door, the narrow door that we talked about last week. It's in Jesus. So with every head bowed in this room this morning, if if that's where you find yourself today, that you'd say, my heart is, I need to turn my life over to God because I want that kind of confidence in this life that I live. If that's you today, I just want you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you before we leave. Anybody here today that say, that's me. I need God confidence today. I need to know this unstoppable God. I want to turn my life over to him today. Anybody today that say, that's me. I want to live for God from now into eternity. I've been living with fear and doubt, but I want to live with confidence for tomorrow. God, we just pray this morning. For each and every one in this room, if there are those that are here today that don't know who you are, may they commit their lives to you today. May they live for you for all of eternity. God, I just pray that you would stir in their hearts as we sing this last song a desire to know you, God. That they would no longer live with fear, that they no longer live with doubt, they no longer live with worry but they would just be confident in you in your ever-advancing kingdom. And we just pray these things, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. I do want to invite Pastor Mark, our youth pastor, to come forward this morning. And if, if you didn't raise your hand or you did raise your hand and I didn't get a chance to see you, I just encourage you, come down. If a couple of our prayer team members could come and join Pastor Mark, just come. And maybe you just want prayer this morning to say, I need to be released to fear today. I need that kind of confidence. So if you want prayer for that, feel free to come. If you want to turn your life over to Jesus, feel free to come and respond that way as well. But let's sing.